going with <laughs> I know nothing. Well, yet. I'm going with soup and sandwich because that's what I'm going to have for lunch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We've got the phone lines open, 217-356-9397. As I mentioned, we're here until, actually, we're here until 11.15 today. We'll take it right up to the start of Illinois baseball. Kind of a weird situation. It was one of those pod weekends, or supposed to be, where you had three teams in one location, Michigan, Illinois, and Northwestern in Evanston, but Northwestern is shut down. They've got a COVID issue, so Illinois is going to play a four-game series against Michigan in Evanston. Yeah, I was going to say, why don't they just go to Ann Arbor or Champaign and play? That's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. One of them would be home. Huh? <laughs> right. I guess they're just going to meet halfway since they were planning on doing that anyway. But That's uh, okay. That gets underway. The first game of that doubleheader today gets be, underway. Need, at, a, need some more pitching like we had at Purdue. We've got Hoffman going in the first game. And Lavender going in second. Do you know, Steve, that both those guys are undefeated? Just basically just a 500 ball club, pretty much, Illinois. And yet those two pitchers have yet to lose. That's good. That first game today gets underway at 11.30. Pre-game show at 11.15 right here on DWS. A lot to talk about this morning. We've got uh, four guests lined up. The phone line is open. Uh, some late news last night. Kendrick Green. Kendrick Green. The um, offensive lineman who uh, is kind of projected as a pro as a center was drafted in the third round, the 87th pick overall by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, well, that's a good uh, – it sounds fine to me. I mean, I think he's got a great chance. I'm confident he'll be successful in the NFL, and whether he plays center or guard, he can play them both, and that's always an advantage because if somebody gets hurt, you can always move over. Got the phone lines open, as I mentioned. Let's take a call right now. Right off the top, we'll get you updated on the other news of the morning and uh, the basketball coaching conversation as well. But let's say hi to Eric calling in Kansas City. Hey, Eric. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for taking my call. And uh, I was just calling to ask, you know, this big story with Orlando and Chin. Um, it's just been real interesting because I haven't seen anything printed, published about it at all. And it's such a big thing for, uh, you know, our kind of uh, main sport. So I, is there some sort of like moratorium by the SID or Kent Brown to not publish anything on that? until it's Well, I, I, obviously uh, Kent will publish it when he's told to. I mean, I, I, when the negotiations are going on with Chin, Orlando's gone. He's going to Kentucky, uh, and we know that. But that has not been but announced yet. It has not been announced. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's on Kentucky to announce that. I suppose, uh, yeah. yeah. I don't suppose that, and what the, here's the thing, I don't think they'll announce it till Chin lets them know what he's going to do. I think uh, they'll probably make okay. it one one announcement for the two guys, and Chin might be also waiting on what's happening with Gentry, who may be negotiating with Gonzaga. So you got so oh, much, you, you got so many complications in there, and, and there's I'm sure there are complications that I don't know about, but uh, uh -huh. I, but Chin has an offer from Kentucky. And there's a there's a chance that if you know, let's just say that Gentry left for Gonzaga, maybe Chin would stay here, and maybe he'd be assistant head coach. Maybe he'd be the number one guy. Uh, up uh -huh. to, at this point, I would say that the most valuable is 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 Orlando because of his contact with so many uh, foreign athletes and and others in the states that he's dealing with and. But the, the reason it's been it was delayed in the first place was a combination of two things. One, the death of Terrence Clark, uh, 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 which took Calipari away from 
the negotiating table for several days uh-huh. due to that uh, unfortunate car accident uh, of the of the freshman from Kentucky. And then the, the other factor is that both Chin and uh, or, or Antigua were on vacation, and then and uh-huh. and, and, and when when you're on they they didn't. They may have had conver- telephone conversations while they were on vacation, but I don't think that the thing would be resolved when that when that was the case. And I, so um, Orlando came back, and I'm sure that that he has settled to go to Kentucky. I just don't know why they haven't announced it. Uh yeah, yeah. It's just you know it's such an important thing, and you just kind of I, I rely on all you guys uh, from a distance, and Shannon as well, and. Uh, uh, you know, you, it just seems strange that uh, nothing come out. But thanks, Lauren. You really explained that. Boy, I hadn't heard about Gentry. That was a new one to upset my stomach. But if they'll swap him with Roger Powell, I think I could forgive him. Well, keep listening because at 1030, one of our guests is Brad Sturdy, and he's uh, he's on this as well as anybody uh, with uh, com. He's going to talk about what he knows, and uh, and maybe we'll know more by then, too. Okay, thanks a lot, guys. Your show is always a highlight of the week, so I sure appreciate it. We appreciate the call. Thanks, Eric. 217-356-9397 is our number if you'd like to join us on this edition of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Some other news notes. Baseball action from uh, last night. The Cardinals beat the Pirates 7-3. The Cardinals are now 14-12 and on the season. The Reds beat the Cubs 8-6. to Joey Votto Three hits in that game for Cincinnati, including his 300th home run. Still a player, isn't he? He is. And the Cubs are now 11-15. and 15. The White Sox lost to Cleveland 5-3. to three. The Sox still three games above 500 at 14-11. and 11. The one thing I thought you could count on with the Cubs is Hendricks would be really a dominant pitcher, and he's been having all kinds of trouble. And then now that the Cubs are falling below 500 and – there's this question is going to keep uh, arising. What do you do in terms of contractual situations with Baez and Rizzo and and Bryant? And I assume that uh, they won't be able to sign them all. Yeah, and this month will be key on that because yeah. if they if they fall and then they're liable to start over. Liable to get out the dynamite. <laughs> uh, we mentioned the Illinois baseball situation. They'll try to play a doubleheader today against Michigan up in Evanston. First game, 11.30 this morning. You can hear them both right here. Softball, Illinois played at Northwestern, and uh, the Illini beat the Wildcats 4-2 to two yesterday to improve to 21-13. and 13. They're scheduled for a doubleheader today. Bella hit another home run, and Sickles pitch. That's a good combination, pitcher-catcher. 21, two, of the, two of the best in the league. 21 wins for the Illini softball team. The Big Ten men's golf championships underway not too far away over at Crooked Stick in uh, Carmel, Indiana. Carmel, Indiana. And uh, the Illini tied for first heading into today's second round with uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes, both teams 12 over par. So uh, Got a little windy in that back nine, huh? It did. Uh, Crooked Stick playing uh, very tough. Adrian Dumont de Chazar uh, leads uh, the Illini along with Tommy Cool. They were both one over par with 73s. Jerry G. and Michael Fiegels. Both had 77s, so um, two more rounds to go in the Big Ten Men's Golf Championship. Big Ten uh, Men's Tennis out of Lincoln, Nebraska. The Illini handled Indiana 4 to nothing yesterday, and they take on Michigan today in the semifinals this afternoon at 2. Yeah, Michigan's really good. Illinois yeah. beat them earlier, though. Yeah, that'll be a tough one. 
That would be a semifinal match, and uh, the Illini now 19-2 and on the season. Women's Big Ten Championships in Madison. The Illini fell to number two seeded Michigan there, four to nothing, so they are out. We mentioned Kedrick Green being drafted in the third round, number 87 pick to the Pittsburgh Steelers, Kendrick Green out of Peoria. And uh, he, He's got a lot of mobility as well as toughness. He's a former wrestler. They moved him over from defense when he came to Illinois, and he had the mobility to play defense, but they just felt that this was an ideal situation for him as far as turning pro, and he turned pro a year early and has uh, – He's just uh, he's just a, a strong guy, powerful and mobile. I think he's going to be a terrific NFL player. What was your feeling uh, a couple of nights ago when the Bears made a, a move to get uh, Justin Fields at quarterback? It's something you had to do right. if you're the Bears. I mean, I know they gave up maybe too much. I mean, they gave up an awful lot of, of draft picks in terms of the future, but you just can't go on with Sid Luckman as your best quarterback for for your for a hundred years. You know, I mean, it's, you just have to you you have to to make that gamble, I would call it, and and go and and go with this guy. And I don't know how long it'll take him to uh, replace Dalton as as the starter, but I would think that uh, it'll happen in time. And and in the long run, he he's got the speed, he's got the arm, he's got everything to be a great player. And Ohio State, again this year, with a whole bunch of guys drafted. What they haven't had, though, at Ohio State, well, all the great players they've had, they have not had a guy make it at quarterback in the that, NFL. That's right. Alabama and, and, and Ohio State are kind of similar that yep. way. They just have great teams without, without great NFL quarterbacks. But the one thing I noticed, they said, boy, he's got this terrific percentage of completions, and, he's, and I watched about five or six plays, and – I could have thrown the ball. I mean, he had so much protection. You know, I mean, it's just a, that's a big factor in why uh, Ohio, why he was so successful because they protected him. His offensive line was so strong. You can't get to him. So we're off and rolling on our first uh, day of May oh, here man. as we flip the calendar. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Here's our guest lineup coming up after our first break. We're going to talk things over with uh, former Illinois football player, Kevin Mitchell, who is now the director of the Varsity Eye. We'll talk about uh, that uh, job with him and maybe some Illinois football as well. At 9.30, Michael Leroy will stop by and visit with us. He's got some interesting uh, topics to discuss. At 10 o'clock, Will Leach makes his monthly appearance with us. His new book is coming out in two weeks. We'll let him talk about that a little bit, and we'll talk Major League Baseball and other sports with him. Then at 10.30, Brad Sturdy from IlliniGuys.com. He's all over the coaching situation. You know, a lot of people have talked to me on the golf course or wherever, you know, need to get an Illini guy on the staff if somebody leaves. And there's some Illinois guys that are coaching that, uh, that are rather, great guys. But I'd rather have a guy from Puerto Rico myself. <laughs> <laughs> we might as well have somebody who can talk the same language as our players. You know, people say, what does it take to get D. Brown to – to come or Roger Powell or Chester Frazier, and those guys are out there, you know, working on their chops, trying to get. Uh, well, yeah, first of all, Roger Powell's got a pretty good job where he's at. Yeah, and Chester Frazier's legitimate too. Yeah. Both are both are legitimate guys that could come and and be a, a quality members of the staff. But I'm just saying, if you don't, we you need somebody to be able to deal with these uh, foreign athletes because we've got guy we've had guys from Belgium, we've had them from Georgia and Russia, we've had them from all over the place, I mean, and 
I, I'm not, I don't know that I'm happy to see it go this way. I was pleased to see all the Illinoisans that played for Illinois for, for 100 years until it changed here in the last few years. Yep. At 9.13, we'll take our first break. We'll uh, certainly be talking basketball all through the show, but we're going to mix in some football and some other items as well. Stay with us. We're back with more on Illini Fellas Saturday Sports Talk right here on News Talk 1400 DWS. It is 16 minutes after 9 o'clock here on Illini Fellas Saturday Sports Talk. With Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly, with you until 11.15 today, ahead of fighting Illini baseball against Michigan, doubleheader being played up in Evanston today and tomorrow, four games against the Wolverines. Glad you're with us. 217-356-9397 is the number. Our first guest today is the pride of Fort Wayne, Indiana, and he's on the line with us, Kevin Mitchell, former Illini safety. Kevin, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing very well. How are you all? We're good. Newly named director of the uh, Varsity Eye Foundation. And uh, tell us about the, that job, and it gives you a chance to, to continue doing some of the things you've been doing on staff there. But, um, you know, g- getting in contact and staying in contact with a lot of former athletes, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, first and foremost, thank you all, like I said, for having me today. Um, you know, it's been very fortunate. Uh, to now be here already three years working for the annual fund, which there's a lot of similarities as far as dealing with people. So it was a, it was an easier transition than most because especially having someone working with Lisa Rusin, um, you know, Chris Tuttle before that. So the transition with Lee, him still being here and me then uh, following in that footsteps and taking it forward uh, has been great. And, like you said, um, the opportunity to reach out to former student athletes and continue that has been great. I mean, uh, to be able to now be the voice of so many uh, great former student athletes uh, that have played before me and then also with me, but now the ones who are going to uh, be varsity eye members, uh, it's, it's, it's just it's, it's phenomenal and a great feeling. So I've kind of been on 10 for the last couple of weeks, and it's been a good deal for me. Have you noticed a change in uh, the atmosphere, so to speak, with the change of head football coaches? Uh, I, I know that I would guess that most alumni are in all, you know, always in, but maybe a little more excited now with uh, something new coming. Yeah, I think uh, you know one thing. It's always in any situation, change is always tough. Uh, but I really feel like you know. Um, Bielema has hired a great crew, great staff that also has really uh, breathed in recruiting. And then you just see the excitement, you know, just the state of Illinois, you know, as far as, you know, what they've been able to do and accomplish since they've been here. Now, obviously, we we haven't played any games just yet, but, I mean, since day one, I mean, once he got here, they continue just to continue to um, accelerate this program and uh, in all aspects from recruiting to just, um, you know, community outreach and engagement, it's been great. Well, Kevin, this is Lauren. Uh, is, 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 it, is it your main job to try to raise money for to pay for scholarships? Is that the essential uh, role that you now take over? No, that was uh, my formal one. Okay. So my formal one, yes, directly uh, working with the iPhone, but this one is – you know, there's always going to be some type of um, fundraising component to it. I mean, 
if someone came back to me, Joe Smith, that played here back in 1960 and said they want to give a million dollars to the Smith Center, I'm not going to deny him of that, okay? Okay. <laughs> uh, but um, this is outreach and engagement. And, you know, I just, I'm looking to continue to get former student athletes back and involved and just to see what we're doing over here. You know, it's one of those things, too, because you're dealing with a lot of different things when it comes to this position. Um, because, you know, some people might not have that great of an experience back in, you know, 1985 or whenever. I just said that because that's when I was born. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things now I'm here to be that bridge and just let folks know what we're doing here and just continue to reiterate Josh Whitman's, um, you know, uh, you know, a statement of just being great and being excellent. Well, now who's responsible for the varsity I then? That is I. Well, that okay. I. So, well, that's what, that, that was my question. Uh, uh-huh. I, the varsity I, I thought that was the essential, one of the essential roles was to, was to pay for scholarships uh, that, the, that the athletes use. Isn't that correct? No, that's that's not my main role. That is more Corey Anfield. He is actually the director of the uh, iFund. Okay. So there's two different okay. components to this. Okay. Yes, yes, and see, and that's a great question because uh, that's what we've had to answer and continue to answer. Um, and it's two different buckets. And so the iFund is the scholarship arm of the university, the mm-hmm. Illinois Athletics. Okay. And then Varsity I is anyone it's uh, our letter winners association so anyone that lettered and then also coached and then uh, a part of the staff so it's two different two different deals uh but definitely over the years you can kind of see how you know it's similar to where they can kind of the uh education piece can kind of get crossed we're visiting with kevin mitchell who is the director of the varsity i we do have the uh, phone line open go ahead you're on the air with kevin mitchell yeah, good morning, Lauren and Steve. How are you doing? Just this is Buck. How are you doing? And I just wanted to call you. And I said, you've been a, you're just, I'm so proud of you because I've been with you every, Thank you. you got on campus in 2004 and been down every road together from you out in New Mexico to scouting for the Texans and, and, uh, down at North Carolina. And, you know, I just want to publicly tell you how proud I am of you. You've always been Thank my boy you. and you know that. And like I said, you're going to be great in that role you are, and you're on there with two good guys, with Steve and Lauren. And I just wanted to tell you publicly what I've always told you privately. I love you to death, and you're going to be great in the role you're in. Okay, thank you, guys. See you, Lauren and Steve. Thank you. Yeah, Book, thanks for the call. Kevin, did you get a chance to see much spring ball? Just a tad bit. Look, it was one of those things to where, um, man, we had a nice little thing for – basketball team and so i was running around like a chicken with his head cut off because oh just trying to just kind of get a glimpse of of football but then also just engaging with folks that were happened to be there and and then also with uh one thing we're doing with our varsity um social media accounts is just expanding those so uh i got to uh, do a first floor walkthrough with Terry Hawthorne through the Smith Center on our Instagram account. And so we went live for the first time. So it was more so doing things like that, but I uh, wasn't able to really hone in on what's going on, but I've just heard great things. Well, uh, what do you see? How is the, is the return of fans going to help you in terms of raising money, or will it? 
I think it will. I mean, just, you know, this thing is, it's all about the experience. And, and you know, one thing we're in is the um, part of the entertainment, too. You know, I mean, think about this. I mean, uh, you know, this was the first, the spring game was the first thing that we had available to the fans. I mean, we sold that out to the capacity that we're allowed to have people in. And you could just feel that electricity, just folks wanting to be back. And ultimately, it can't help but not to raise money uh, because, uh, like folks know, if you are coming back to tailgate, whatever that may be, or buy parking passes and different things like that, that goes to our actual uh, scholarship arm, the iFund. So ultimately, people coming, people supporting, and merchandise, everything like that, just like we saw the uh, basketball team and the excitement. I mean, football's right there to do the same, and I, I'm excited for the opportunity. What do you see? Uh, what do you see as the main problems that the football team has in trying to get this thing rolling? What, what are the main concerns? Well, I mean, and granted, I have not watched them like that, uh, but I mean, any as any team, I think one of the main concerns, you know, with a staff coming, uh, new staff coming, is just getting everyone on the same page, you know, and then getting everybody on board to, to, you know, the new rules at hand and always adjusting. I mean, that's what you're doing, but that's also why those student athletes are great because, I mean, the great ones adjust. That's what I always say. And so I think one of the biggest and hardest things is just getting everyone on the same accord in the least amount of time as possible during the COVID or pandemic. So let's add that too, you know, so <laughs> Um, it's one of those things I just think transition's tough for anyone, and I'm experiencing that. You know, anything new, it's, it's, it's new, so it'll be a little tough. So it's just kind of overcoming those obstacles of something being new. Well, it was good to see uh, Kendrick Green get drafted last night uh, in yeah. the uh, third round, yeah. the 87th pick by the Steelers. There's another guy to put in your Rolodex. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, he'll be yes. making about $5 million the next four years. <laughs> you better be after him. Well, hey, look, let's let them do that first, you know, but it's it's one of those things. It's like this. I, I said it plain and simple about three years ago when I came back. I don't know if you all remember uh, a guy by the name, the old quarterback, Chris Pazin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yes, backup quarterback, and I believe he was a GA when I was actually here. And uh, now he's actually uh, um, police for up in Chicago. And he came back for a game about two years ago. And what he said was phenomenal. He told Lee and I, he said this. He said, look, after he came back from the game the next day, he shot us a text saying that, you know, even though he never played, we still made him feel like he was Juice Williams. And that, that's our goal. That's what we want to continue to do here in Varsity I. I don't care if you score 30 million touchdowns. I don't care if you did this, this, this. All I want you to do is come back and be in a part of what we have brewing over here because we're family, and that's what we're all about. You don't have to mention any names, but have you found, have you had any difficulties at times getting guys to to reconnect with the university? I, yeah, I, I, but I think it's not just here. I think all, what I've learned um, is all across the United States because I kind of hit on it earlier. You know, someone might have a bad experience. You know, whether it's um, not enough playing time, whether it's a coach that transferred or left or whether whatever that could be. Right. Excuse me. To where, you know, that could leave a bad taste, which ultimately, if those wounds have not been healed, 
well, then obviously they're going to feel a certain type of way. So all I'm telling folks is, look, get back. Once you get back, we can then work on everything. But that's where my job is. And, yes, it, it uh, comes into play. And, yeah, it's been tough because you get a lot of that. But then also you have a lot of folks, you know what, hey, let's pay this thing forward. Let's, let's, let's come back and see what they're all about. You know, one thing that concerns me is the connection for the university with all the transfers and all. Does that play into you? Is that what you were talking about here? I mean, so many people going and coming. Uh I could see, no, I was not, but I could see that in the future being something maybe four or five years because to all of that, as far as transferring now, 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 um, those are not a lot of people have experienced that being letter winners, you know, since a lot of that's going on now. So I see that um, me dealing with that issue as far as that connection more so five years from now when all of this has kind of been the norm. Um, But what I was more so talking about was just, you know, um, someone having just some bad experience and just, I mean, you get all types of reasons why. And at the end of the day, it's like, you know, um, you have to acknowledge those in my position. And that's what I want to do. I want to acknowledge the fact that someone might have had, call, you know, caused trauma in some type of way to where it's like, hey, let's fix this and let's move forward. That's Kevin Mitchell, everybody, the uh, director of the Varsity Eye and former Illini Team captain, Rose Bowl team member. We appreciate your time. Always good to visit with you. Hope we can see you again one of these days in person and talk yes. some more. Yes, definitely. Thank you both. I mean, it's been an honor to continue just to, uh, you know, be on the show every year at least once, and I thank you for that. You bet. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks, Kevin. All right. Y'all take care. You All too. Right. Uh-huh. That's Kevin Mitchell as we hit the uh, bottom of the hour, WDWS. Champaign-Urbana. We're back with more on the Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Stay with us. Welcome back to the show. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk 931. Again, we're staying a little bit overtime uh, today till 1115 before Illinois baseball takes the air up in Evanston, Illinois, and Michigan in a doubleheader today. They'll also play two tomorrow in Big Ten baseball play. Thanks to Kevin Mitchell for spending about uh, 15 minutes with us talking about the varsity eye and the Illinois football team and such. Michael Leroy is with us from the uh, U of I Law School and Labor and Employment Relations with that long title, that long introduction. Michael, how are you doing this morning? Well, thanks for having me here. Let me uh, turn your mic on first before... Uh, a little bit of operator error. Now say that. I'm well. Thanks for having me here. <laughs> good. We appreciate that. And uh, you've, you've always seen, it uh, seems like you've always got some projects and some research going on. And we wanted to talk to you about uh, uh, one of those today, a league that may be starting in September that would involve, I guess, players that don't want to go to college but can't go pro right away or go NBA, right? That's right. There's a, a third new league that has formed. Uh, It's called the uh, Professional Collegiate League. Um, It has all of the whistles and bells of the NCAA model. In other words, um, they will insist that a student, uh, a a player, a high school player, go to a junior college or college. And so they are located in eight cities. Um, So they're they're going to take care of the education piece, uh, and they're going to pay their players a $100,000 minimum and help with their marketing rights. That's 100000 minimum? Yes. They cannot pay less? That's what the league is advertising. Okay. It's a real speculative league. It really is. Um, 
I don't know how they're going to pull a roster together between now and September, um, but they're making a really hard pitch. They've got a, a media platform, um, a, a branding platform, but I think where they're going to cut to the chase, um, there's segmentation occurring in this market. So at the top of the market, you have the NBA G League. We talked about that the last time. In the past four weeks, their roster has exploded. Um, it's just incredible. Now, the top of their pay scale is $500,000. To give you a sense of what's happened in the past week, um, there's been a decommit from Gonzaga, a player named Fan Bo Zhang. He's from China. He spent two years in a, uh, an American high school with a great basketball program. He's, Rivals has him number 14. He's gone. Gonzaga doesn't have him, have him anymore. Um, Michael Foster, $300,000. That's been reported. He's the number 12 player. He's now in this um, G League team. Uh, just yesterday, this is Jeff Borzello's reporting uh, with ESPN, a uh, player named Imoni uh, Bates. He decommitted from yes. Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's rumored that he's going to the G League. As this develops momentum, if you're a top 10, 20 player, you want to be on that G League team. Okay, you're talking about one team that would play other G League teams, is yes. that right? And the one team would have nothing but high school players. They they have a mix. So um, they also have seasoned veterans, um, kind of guys who were at the end of the bench in the NBA, 25 to 30-year-old players. To me, it looks like they're going to have coaching on the floor. So they're, they're mixing them in with guys who are physically mature and, and have polished skills. You're talking about one team. That's it. One and team. Like 12 players, something you like that. You got it. You got it. And they play exhibition games with other G League uh, team. So the G League is, is set up like the baseball minor league system. Well, what's, what's the operation out of Washington, D.C.? Right. So this is, that, uh, this is the, the new league that announced its formation. And it's basically, it looks like the old ACC map. <clears throat> it, it's got, uh, pardon me, Baltimore, Washington, D.C., um, Raleigh, North Carolina, Richmond, Virginia. So it, the, the map there... They're, um, they're going to play each other, not like this. To me, it's going to be attractive to the, the players who are coming out of high school, and let's say they're 100 to 150 on the rankings, and they want to make money right now. That, that, when you read their website, that's the pitch is, we'll pay you, we'll make sure you get an education, um, and you can have name, image, uh, and licensing branding, and so we'll take care of that. So when I say segmentation, I think this market is rapidly forming, and at the top is the G League. They're, they're, and I think that's relevant for the top basketball programs in the NCAA. Kentucky has lost a recruit. Gonzaga has lost a recruit. And I think this circles back into all the interest in Orlando. I mean, because you can't pay his recruits $500,000. So in effect, you know, his his market value has zoomed up in the past month. And I think it's just the fact that the NCAA cannot pay players per their rules, but they can pay coaches. And the coaches do have significant influence. If this takes off, what kind of impact will that have on college basketball? Uh, I, I mean, I think we're at a tipping point. Um, I mean, I, I think this is going to force the issue. Um, I don't know, but I am speculating that this will hasten the drive to create a super league among the the Dukes, the Kentuckys, and so forth, 
whether they do it as just basketball or basketball and um, football, I don't know. But there already were discussions two years ago about disgruntled football teams uh, like Alabama. Why do we have to share the money and all of that? And if we go back to the early 1980s, remember Oklahoma did its own TV deal because they were unhappy with the NCAA and they the case went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said they can they can make their own TV deal. Um, I think we're going back to the past in the sense that the NCAA is going to face stiff challenges from their premier brands and platforms because all of a sudden they have to compete with this. This G League is formidable, and they're very well financed. The G League is formidable, but they're still not drawing the fans that you get for college basketball. The, the, the people... It seems to me in college basketball, whether it's Duke, Kentucky, Illinois, Kansas, wherever, UCLA, the people are going because of the school, their, their association with the school, just Abs- like they are here in town. Absolutely. First of all, that's not going to go away. I just think they're going to have to compete. And so in our town, I mean, I, I don't know if we'll even see the effect. Although, on the other hand, the fact that Orlando is – you know, rumored to be moving. Um, I think this is sort of a uh, a chain effect that's going on. But uh, well, Lord, no, let's let's understand something about Orlando. He he was in Memphis with with Calipari. Then he went to Kentucky with Calipari. I mean, look, that's this right. is a natural thing for him. He's that's got right. a daughter that attended Kentucky. I mean, look, this is uh, th- there's a lot more to this thing than. And by the way, you mentioned that uh, the Kentucky has got a, a moratorium until uh, the third of. Uh, of the May before right. they can really announce anything, right? But they've got to they've got to take uh, uh, any applications that wa- that anybody wants to apply. Correct. Their 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 website says the job's open till May third, so they can't make an announcement. And and I appreciate your point, um, but I want to circle back to something you said. The G League is owned by the NBA, right? So, you know, uh, the fan issue. But that's um, where the money comes from. They've got money. Right. Coming from the from the NBA teams, right. each each team's got a G League team virtually. Correct. But what where does the money come from in these other leagues? That's well. First of all, if you've got some extra change that you want to invest in this <laughs> new league, they actually <laughs> the will let does. you. They're taking investors. I I think that's a really speculative league. Um, to be honest, um, there's a there's a th- a third league. We talked about it last time. Overtime Elite. To me, they have a, a good business model. They'll take 16-year-olds. So they'll take juniors and seniors. They'll only take 30. Some will come from the U.S. Some will come from abroad. They'll be in a pod-like bubble in Orlando, and the, there'll be four teams that, that'll play each other. And they're going to be, um, let me see here, $100,000 minimum. You get part ownership in the league, and you get name, image, and licensing revenue. I do think that is sort of the second-tier new league that's forming. So what I'm saying is, with respect to premier NCAA basketball, the talent pool is now has faces this outside competition. The thing that I still think about when I talk when I think about the fans is, even if you took the top 50 players in the country and took them off to Europe someplace, right, and they w- didn't exist. The interest in Illinois basketball in competing against Michigan, we don't care. Uh, in the Big Ten, if we can beat Michigan and Ohio State and Indiana and Iowa, that's, that's, that's all our fans care about. They'll still come out. They'll come out regardless of the level, as long as we're competitive. Right. I, I hear you, and I think that's true. But I would just say, uh, and so this is all 
reported rumor, but reportedly Illinois was countering the offer and willing to make Orlando the highest paid assistant coach. Oh, sure. And <clears throat> so why would why would that why would if that's true? We don't know. I don't know if that's true. But if that's true, why would that happen? And my conclusion is because there's a calculation that we do need the top 50 players here. Well, I'm, I'm just saying if they're all gone, then they, they don't have them either. That's right. Oh, that's and, and so it, it's kind of com, uh, equal competitive disadvantage. Everybody's kind yeah. of and you're, so it's, it would still be a great. Still going to turn out whether whether we've got uh, ten dunkers or just four. It I would mean, be like as long as we're competitive, as long as we can beat Indiana, that's the main thing. Absolutely, it'd be like March Madness in January and February, where you would not have the same dominance uh, that would be predictable if the talent really gets skimmed off. It would be much more. It'd be, it'd be very competitive. Where's the education piece in this? If you take X amount of high school, 16, 17, 18-year-olds that think that all they're going to do for the rest of their life is play basketball, they're missing out on the college experience, for one. You're right. So I'm, I think the offer is contractual and enforceable. But I think the leagues, these two new upstart leagues, not the G League, these two other leagues, Overtime and PCL, are sort of betting that these folks are not interested really in picking up the college education. They can't force it, whereas the NCAA model says you have to not only go to class, but you have to make progress to, to a degree. So I think it's, there's a cynical part to this. Um, let me talk about the G League back for just a moment. They have a deal with Arizona State University. So here's the deal. You play in the G League. So that let's pick 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 a player. We're going to take Daisha Nix. He signed for three hundred thousand dollars recently. If he wants to get a college degree, he has to go. G League will pay for everything. It's a scholarship. He can't play basketball for Arizona State, but they'll pay the full ride. When would he go there? Well, I mean, when would he attend? Uh, maybe when he's 26. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> How many guys go back? Yeah. No. That, that it's right. That's well, listen, that's right. I'm gonna, I'm, I, at the risk of putting my uh, foot in the bucket here, that's okay. I'm going to switch over. I, first of all, I want to uh, get your comment on on uh, Iowa hiring a new president. Uh, yeah. What do you think of uh, what? Do you, how much of a loss is that to the University of Illinois? Well, I mean, Barb Wilson was here at a a difficult time. We were transitioning from uh, Chancellor Wise, and there was a there was a void in leadership, and she filled that void well. Um, ap with respect to athletics, she also hired uh, our current athletic director, right. Josh Whitman. Right. And so, I mean, uh, I don't know what it means, but I, I, I just think when, when, you, when you hear how head coaches talk about relationships to their schools, they understand that their shelf life is dependent in part on the senior campus leadership. Mm -hmm. Now, Barb Wilson was an executive vice president of the system. So when she made the hire, she was, I think, in an interim chancellor position or uh, or as such. So she's she's yeah, she was interim chancellor at the time. Yeah. Right? So, um, but I'm just saying that um, uh, it it has been reported that the system. This is in um, Sportico. It has been reported that the U of I system. So that's that's kind of her branch of the university governance system. Um, loaned the uh, DIA about $33 million for the oven reconstruction. And that's coming out of that level of the campus. So, Well, that's interesting because they got $20 million already for oven. Okay. 
uh, I promise given, I don't know, you know, it's right. sometimes a promise doesn't come through, but but they say it's going to cost about 40 million and they claim they now the, the problem I see is when you have a 40 million dollar building and you got 20 million dollars uh, given to you, you still have to pay pay for the other 20 million and where does that come from? That's a loan, that's a 30-year loan probably that they're going to pay and that's going to be added to that comes right out of the out of the budget. Right. Well, I mean annually. So, uh when a donor gives, it's for a dedicated purpose. So I, I can't answer that. I don't know. Um, I, I don't know. need to take a break at 945. We'll continue the conversation on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Stay with us right here on DWS. Nine forty-eight, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. Michael Leroy is with us from the uh, U of I Law School and uh, Labor Relations Department as well, talking about all kinds of things uh, related to college athletics. And I guess it's safe to say that we hope at least we're coming out of a pandemic. Uh, It's been an interesting uh, 12 or 14 months. And let's dive into the financials if we can and what the pandemic has has done to universities. There's been instances where some smaller universities have closed. Absolutely. Because of this. There's one over, I'm familiar with over in the state of Ohio that had been around forever that uh, just shut its doors. There, there probably are more to come. Right. And they were in difficult uh, a situation before the, uh, sure. COVID-19. Um, so um, what I can tell you is there's public reporting. Iowa reported a $100 million uh, athletic department budget deficit out of a $150 million revenue stream. So they're two-thirds in the hole. That reporting was in August, and I, I do think that situation got better, but they have borrowed money. And Lauren mentioned a $50 million loan. I saw a report that a $40 million loan from the campus. But the, the point is the campus is heavily subsidizing the athletic department to fill that gap. Um, Wisconsin, uh, Barry Alvarez um, in um, July was anticipating a $100 million shortfall, and he's got a budget of $140 million. Um, Indiana, um, Dolman uh, reported a $60 million sh- shortfall. Michigan State, Beekman reported an 80 to $85 million shortfall. And their budgets, to put this in perspective, their revenue is basically at the $150 million mark. Um, now, that's about a third of the Big Ten schools openly. That's one year, right? That's that, one year that's only. one year. Just because of the pandemic. Correct. Correct. And by the way, those reports happened before the football season actually uh, occurred and there was more positive financial news. So I think the numbers I just gave about a deficit um, are not as grim as they sound. But I, I, I think, look, let's just take Iowa, who's been the most open about it. Uh, Forty to fifty million dollar loan. That tells you what their deficit is, and they've got to pay bills. They got to pay coaches. They got to make payroll. Uh, they got to cut the grass. All of that stuff. So um, I think that's kind of indicative of where Big Ten programs are. Well, where do we where do we go from here? Do you, do you see? Let's just talk about Illinois for for sure. the beginning. Before the pandemic came, right? Before I want to emphasize that a year ago, before the pandemic, Illinois was second in the country. In, in uh, debt right. among athletic departments. Only Cal, which has the earthquake problem, right. um, was, was uh, owed more money. And I, it was over $300 million at that time, right, the debt? That's right. So um, I only know what's publicly reported. And 
there's a site by the Knight Commission. Anybody can look it up. Just type Knight, K-N-I-G-H-T, CAFI, C-A-F-I. And it has a database that USA Today has, has FOIA'd the information from the schools. And you can look at smaller schools. You can look at Illinois State, Eastern Illinois. They're on there, too. Um, but to cut to the chase, uh, you can customize the database. So if you check a box that says athletic debt and then you run it for a conference, uh, they'll give you a conference average. If you then check boxes and say, I want to know this school, this school, this school, you can get every school's reported athletic debt. I'll give you the 2019 figures, which are the most recent. Illinois ranked first in the conference at $323 million in 2019. Nebraska had the least amount of debt, zero dollars in debt. Uh, behind us was Michigan at $300 million. Uh, Minnesota at $252 million, and Ohio State at $250 million. Everybody else was, um, Iowa was at $226 million. Well, here's uh, my question yeah. for you. If, if, if Illinois owed, and this goes back to, by the way, the State Farm Center, this goes back to uh, money that had be borrowed for the uh, football stadium. Right. But if Illinois owed that much before the pandemic, how much more do they owe now with all the building they're doing? There has to be a huge uh, gain in terms of how much is, is owed. There, um, many schools are uh, opaque about this whole business. I mean, I don't think Illinois openly discloses this, but I don't think we're alone either. And by the way, Northwestern doesn't have to say anything to anybody because they're private. So let's put that in perspective. But when you drive by, uh, it, the, the construction is breathtaking. It's, it's gorgeous. But, you know, we have a soccer and a track facility that has a donor and a, a, a very substantial we, – don't, we don't know the information. But just to keep it more general, um, that debt level, it's hard to see how it hasn't grown. Um, because the, unless you have complete upfront funding, you're going to have to borrow. The mechanism that's used for it is, A, a short-term loan from some measure of the, the system – and, and it's, that's not publicly reported unless it's FOIA'd. But the, the main vehicle for it is called um, an auxiliary facility bond. So that covers athletic facilities. There's a new uh, grain or feed mill that uh, ACES, the college, built. That, that You can borrow for that. You can borrow for residence halls. You can borrow for parking decks. And so, uh, and I don't know beyond that, but Illinois, if if we're building something and we don't have the cash on hand, we'll issue a bond. So to your point, Lauren, we've had two scoreboard updates um, in the past um, 12 years. I mean, we had the initial mm -hmm. down at the south end and then the, the fantastic one. So mm -hmm. th that's openly reported that there's a debt issue on that. There's a debt issue on the, the whole refurbishing of the football stadium. There's a debt issue on the State Farm Center. And, and there is an apparent debt issue on the Smith football facility. I have a reporting from Moody's. We, there was a $41.9 million athletic facilities bond issued in 2019. It doesn't say the Smith Practice Center, but that kind of that kind of fits the picture here. But to your point, let's just generalize. If we're going to go to a pay-to-play model, which I think is in the offing at some point, the teams with the highest level of debt, you have to pay interest on this debt. So in this publicly accessible database, Illinois paid about $18 million in servicing the debt in 2019. 
And that's on a budget of, let me get the budget, that's on revenue of $118 million. So what Illinois was doing in 2019, taking in revenue of $118 million, and that revenue count includes donations, okay? And then $18 million goes out the door to pay interest. And that, to your point, Lauren, that's be more bo- now. That's exactly right. <laughs> and so at, from my perspective, uh, I think this will really divide colleges more and more between haves and have-nots. So Michigan has about the same debt we do, but they have revenue of uh, $194 million as of 2019. Well, if, if, the, if the athletic department received, let's say, a $33 million from the university on a 14-year loan, right. why would that not be uh, known? Why would that not be uh, in headlines I mean, uh, that, it was that's, a surprise that, to that's me. That's important information to me, I think. So it, I, I just want to document the source. It's from a, a, a source called Sportico. And I never heard of Sportico until last year. Sport, now I've learned, like, well, what is this? Is this reliable? Sportico is, um, if you're familiar with Barron's, which is a financial magazine, it is all things sports. It's international as well as U.S. If you want to look up the economics of golf, you can do it. Okay. If you want to look up uh, soccer in South America, is that profitable or not? They cover it. So they cover NCAA athletics. So they did make a FOIA request uh, of the university. The, the university complied with that. That's where it's reported. You mentioned Nebraska with zero debt. Yeah. Is that the the primary reason? Is that a result of 360? five consecutive sellouts at the football games? Or, or <laughs> They're playing today in front of 45,000. Right. Well, today, you got a spring that? game. I, I, never, I didn't think of that. Yeah. But, you know, that's, that's, sure. It's got to contribute to it. But I, I didn't think of that, Steve. Uh, of course. Uh, but I also think, you know, I think what's tied in here is, yeah. Did you know that Nebraska is just now breaking ground on a new facility that's going to be what well, I forget the amount was it eighty million or I think more? So. I, 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 I forgot that. the amount. Yeah, just so today. they might, but you know they've got a balance sheet where they can borrow money, that, uh, so they they can play the game. But uh, you know, again, I think the picture. I mean, I just think when I look back on the past football season and how divisive um, the Big Ten was, they were openly bickering. And, and, uh, and Nebraska says, no, we're not even going to – we're going to start scheduling games. That's a bad look for the conference. There's just – you can't, you, you can't uh, say otherwise. And I think the financials will create more of this kind of bickering and sort of um, – if Nebraska was talking openly about leaving, why wouldn't Michigan or Ohio State think privately about, hey, if Alabama calls and there's a Super League forming, why – do we want to stay in this forever and ever? I'm speculating, but the math doesn't add up in the long term. Well, this has been fascinating. Still, what's your next project? I, I can't keep track of this. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'm just stunned at how rapidly this is changing. So I, I, I don't know my next project, but I will just say um, that <clears throat> the next four or five months are going to be hugely consequential. I'll just leave you with one quick thought, and that is there is legislation in Congress on name, image, and licensing. There's a Democratic bill. It's very pro-athlete. There's a Republican bill. It's very pro-NCAA. And just this week, Jerry Moran, a Republican senator from Kansas, has what I would call a compromise bill. And the big pick, it's compromised in the sense that it would create an obligation from NCAA schools to pick up medical expenses two years after an athlete leaves the campus. Personally, I like that. 
I don't think these guys should be left to their own devices. Second, it, it would supersede these states and create name, image, and licensing regulatory standards, and it would allow players to enter the draft as long as they don't sign with a team. They would not lose their eligibility. I am sure the NCAA would choke on that. I mean, because now you have federal regulation of a private association. And I think he's got a very credible piece of legislation. So, Steve, good question. I don't know. But I, I have to say the NCAA is losing control of its destiny. That is true. We appreciate your time. Always good to catch up with you. Thank you. Michael Leroy from the Labor and Relations Department at the U of I and the U of I Law School. 10 o'clock, WDWS Champaign-Urbana. We'll take a break and be back with hour number two of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk right after this. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to the show. Moving up on 10.03. We're here until 11.15 today. A little bit of an extra time, an overtime session of uh, the show. Leading right up to Illinois baseball. They take on Michigan today in a doubleheader. The pregame show starts at 11.15. Thanks to those uh, two guests in the uh, first hour. Kevin Mitchell, former Illini Safety and now director of the Varsity Eye and Michael Leroy from the uh, U of I Law School spent time with us. Leading off hour number two is Will Leach, a University of Illinois graduate and author, many times author, with a new book coming out. What are we now, inside of uh, 10 days or so, Will, for uh, how lucky to uh, hit the bookstores? Yes, we are 10 days away. We actually were very fortunate just discovered this morning that they both a book of a month club pick and an Amazon pick for the month. So uh, I was they wouldn't let me say anything until May 1st. I knew about this a couple of weeks ago. So unfortunately, you're the first people to talk to me on May 1st. So I'm just yakking it to you. So I apologize. But uh, that's very good. exciting time. Yeah, very, we got very we, good news. Very good news. Yes, we got a scoop out of it then. huh? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So tell us a little bit about the book and uh, where people can find it. Yeah, so the book uh, is called How Lucky. It's a novel. Uh, it takes place in Athens, Georgia, where I live now, but the main characters all grew up in uh, Mattoon, where I'm from, so uh, perhaps uh, sticking close to what I understand. But it's about a, uh, a young man with a disease called spinal muscular atrophy, which is a kind of a, a shorthand way to put it. It's a little bit like ALS, but for children. It's a really horrible disease. It's actually the same disease that my son's best friend has, and that was kind of inspired me to kind of research and write about it. And he uh, kind of discovered he witnesses a crime uh witnesses a crime outside his window and realize does everything he can to try to uh both uh, report and solve the crime and uh hopefully it's funny and hopefully it's kind of touching uh, and there's a little bit of sports that takes place during a college football tailgate week because i couldn't set a book in athens georgia and have it not have a football <laughs> game going on at some point so uh so yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, uh, I've been very, very fortunate and, uh, and honored that they've said some pretty nice things about it. So it's, a, it's available. You can pre- pre-order on Amazon or right now or from your local bookstore or however you'd like to do it. But uh, uh, certainly uh, it's, uh, it's an exciting thing to get to be a part of. And I'm, I'm, I'm honored. It's being published by HarperCollins. Stephen King called it fantastic. And to be fair, 
that guy knows nothing about writing novels, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> uh, but uh, nevertheless, if you want to take his word for it, uh, uh, feel free to, uh, to take his word over mine. Well, we always like talking uh, about that and uh, baseball with you as well. The first month of Major League Baseball season is in the books, and I think most people that uh, listen to the program or know you uh, know that you're a Cardinals fan. Uh, let's get your thoughts on the first month of the season. The Cardinals won 14 and lost 12 in that month. Yeah, and I think the last couple of weeks are more indicative of both what they were trying to do and probably what they're really going to be, right? You know, I think the, that first, the thing that was alarming about the first couple of weeks of the Cardinals season, they weren't hitting, but, you know, I think we kind of thought that might be a problem. But the pitching wasn't working. You know, the, the starting pitching, they weren't getting any length on their outings. Those guys were getting knocked around. And, you know, there's one constant in Cardinals history over the last 20 years. When they can pit, when they have good starting pitching, they succeed. When they don't, they don't. And when they don't, they have Kip Wells and <laughs> Dustin Hermanson, and these things all kind of fall apart on them. Uh, that, that to me, there's, there's just no way the Cardinals are going to succeed if they, they weren't going to get their starting pitching kind of settled down. That's happened now. It's still not perfect. I think even the game like last night where uh, John Gant walks, what, seven or eight guys and just kind of escapes from trouble, that's not really sustainable. But certainly they've been able to – uh, to, to get the starting pitching stable and stabilized and then start to figure out the rest of the offense, right? You're seeing guys kind of step off. Tommy Edmond and Dylan Carlson are guys I think are clearly establishing themselves as key parts of this team that's kind of been able to kind of hold off on like a kind of a slow start for Paul Goldschmidt and some of those guys. So I think this is probably about what we thought the team was, maybe an 87-88 win team that could maybe get a little bit above that. The question is whether that's going to be enough to win the NL Central. Right now, the Brewers look pretty good, and no one else really does. So I think that uh, I think that, that that's a reasonable expectation. But certainly, the the first week you thought this might get off the rails for the Cardinals a little bit. They appear to stabilize a little bit, and I think they're in a, in a reasonable place moving forward. Would you see them making any kind of a move, Will, at some point here, to try to add? And if so, what would they want to add? Yeah, you know, I do. I think that I I think that one of the things that's going to be really interesting to see is how many teams are out of this early. To me, a team to watch are, frankly, the Washington Nationals. So the Washington Nationals, to me, that's a team that has a lot of guys on short contracts expiring after this year, from Max Scherzer to Kyle Schwarber to some of those guys. Imagine Kyle Schwarber on the Cardinals, if you can fathom such a thing. But certainly, I think they're going to be looking for uh, probably a power bat in the outfield. And I can see uh, – I don't think they would go after small – uh, a small starter, but if someone like Scherzer came online, I think there's no question, particularly him being from St. Louis. Uh, I think that's something that they they would they would want to get a top shelf starter. I don't think it would do. It. They've got enough depth. I don't think they would need to go after someone in the middle. But if someone like him came in the market, and listen, the Nationals. I mean, that's just that looks like a rough team right now. That division, that division is really kind of messy right now. So maybe they can hang around a little bit. But to me, sure looks like Washington is the worst team in that division, and frankly, maybe one of the worst teams in the National League. That puts possibilities out there. But, you know, the Cardinals are uh, – you wonder if a little bit if this is a year – you know, I, I feel like you can go broke thinking this is the year the Cardinals are going to make a deal with the deadline because then they never do. But it certainly feels in a year like this where no one in the Central seems to be establishing themselves as particularly great. You know, if you're going to take the opportunity to have Nolan Arenado on your team this year, it feels like you kind of have to be a little bit more all-in uh, uh, moving forward. So I think I think if, if Justin Williams or uh, – or Austin Dean, or or Tyler O'Neill, if they're unable to establish themselves uh, as, as a regular outfielder, I think there's someone you, there could be a market for that. But on the whole, I, you know, I think that this is the team they think they're going to be. 
And uh, that's a team that can win the division. So I think that I can see them being a little bit more aggressive, uh, particularly considering how much depth they can have in the middle range of their of their minor league system. Speaking of making deals, do you see the Cubs doing anything along those na- along those lines? Yeah, Cubs almost imagine the other direction, right? You know, right. I think that you know, they're in kind of a different position. In A, they've been kind of disappointed. They're not that far behind the Cardinals for what it's worth. It's not like the Cardinals have stormed past them or anything. But, you know, they – you know, it feels like the Cubs have kind of put off a decision-making process a little bit until now where it's almost too late. Like, I mean, on, in a perfect world, the idea that Chris Bryant would be hitting as well as he is right now would be wonderful. Like, wait, all right, Chris Bryant, a guy who fielded the ball that won the World Series. Like, having a great year, this is what we want. But it almost, like, it almost looks bad because now, it, like, with the team struggling, it looks like it's, he's just building up his market for a potential trade. Uh, you've got a Javi Baez who's not kind of gotten gotten it together. There's a lot of – so many question marks about that team. And I think what's frustrating, uh, I certainly imagine would be frustrating for Cubs fans, is the idea that, like, it didn't have to be like this. Like, it didn't have to be this kind of, like, at this season where they just feel disjointed and, and, and feels like half the team has one foot out the door anyway because they're all free agents at the end of the year. So uh, it, it, when you consider the amount of joy and, uh, and, and, frankly, support that the Cubs have gotten from their fans over never, never mind the last 10 years, the last 100 years, uh, to, to, to let that core group of Cubs that won that World Series kind of die on the vine like this. I think, it's, uh, I think Cubs fans would have a reason to be frustrated by that. Talking to Will Leach, obviously a Cardinal fan. Who's your favorite NFL team? I'm actually an Arizona Cardinals fan. I'm an Arizona Cardinals fan because I still stuck with them. Listen, I, I, I used to live in St. Louis, too, and I left, so I can't be Madison for that. <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, yeah, so I'm, I still stick with the Arizona Cardinals. I actually had never actually been to Ari- the state of Arizona until I went to their, their playoff game uh, 10 years ago, their first playoff game. But, yeah, that, that's my team. So I've got Kyler Murray and J.J. Watts. And I don't know. I think my t- the Arizona Cardinals are really fantastic if it's, like, 2016. <laughs> <laughs> J.J. Watt, A.J. Green, and Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think that – so, yeah, that, that, that's, that's my team there. I feel like the draft – it's weird, you know, like, to me the story of the draft is, is the Bears, right? Like what they did with Justin Fields. That is a, a very un-Bears-like move, but I love it. Like I know they gave up a little, they gave up a little bit, and I know there's a sense of desperation uh, with pace and kind of like they're, they really kind of feel like they have to do something to shake it up, but – Listen, what's been the thing with the Bears forever, right? It's the quarterback. And to be Justin Fields, you know, I, I know that there was some discussion about him being in Georgia and then, like, whether or not, uh, uh, you know, kind of what he's able to do with Ohio State. It, to me, the thing about Fields, watch him in that playoff last year. Like, that was a guy that was getting hit hard. <laughs> like, that guy was taking hits. There was always a sense that Fields was, like, a challenge but not necessarily a football player. And I think that's been very much disproved. Uh, uh, I would have taken I'm – not, I'm not a professional NFL evaluator. But uh, to me, after Lawrence, Fields was, this, was the guy to get. And so uh, I think that uh, it gives excitement to, a, to, a, to an organization that obviously pretty desperately needs. So what else are you working on these days? Are you um, are you at the Kentucky Derby today by any chance? I'm not. No, I'm actually in New York City because I, my, my book is about to come out, and I had to finally meet my editor because we sold it in the <laughs> middle of the pandemic. And I'd be like, well, I'm, I'm fully vaccinated now, so I can finally I can, I, I can meet with him finally. But uh, uh, one thing I have a piece in the Washington Post today, actually, and it's about you know really kind of the perpetual question that we've all kind of had about when will sports – 
truly be back. And obviously, they're back in certain levels at this point. You know, there are fans of baseball games, and, and there are 47,000 people in Alabama uh, spring game, which is insane, by the way, that people would want to go. People want to watch a spring game anyway, that many people. But I think the big thing is coming up is the Indianapolis 500, which is going to be at half capacity, which is still 145,000 people. <laughs> the Atlanta Braves are at full capacity now. So it's a look. So I kind of looked at like when will sports like clearly this summer is moving in a optimistic direction. You've heard even the Biden administration talk about how they feel like around the Fourth of July feels like like America would be like kind of closely fully open. I was trying to imagine what trying to look at what would represent to me sports fully being 100 percent back, and I decided it was tailgating <laughs> tailgating yeah. is that thing i i really do feel like tailgating i uh tailgating is a great tailgating uh scene in georgia is a great uh, i think in the in the in the now that there's a grange grove there's a great tailgating scene uh, in champaign and i think that a lot of that uh, that to me feels like that you know they played football last year and there were even some fans uh, down here in the south but it was not the same without tailgating and tailgating to me is the ultimate kind of communal like we're crying out loud I don't know if you've noticed, but Georgia has been in the news in the world of politics a lot lately. <laughs> and I remember in 2018, there, were, there would be a Kemp tailgate next to an Abrams tailgate. And by the end, everyone was sharing food and drink. And having oh, a great that's time. new. And, like, you know, and, and so, for, so for me, that is what I love about college football and love about sports, really. It, it, like, we, it is a divisive time, though I hopefully we're moving in the right direction on that. It's hard to find things that are communal. And to me, tailgating kind of represents that so i wrote a piece for the washington post kind of making the argument that sports will truly be back and we'll all be able to have that great communal experience of sports when tailgating is back and i gotta tell you i cannot wait well will what do you hear from your friends uh, and your fans and 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 matt Toon about the illini what are you picking up on the illini they've started to recruit the state of illinois i don't know if they're getting top level players they're getting players from the state and it's a it's a, certainly a new approach that bielam has taken yeah, I mean, listen. There's no doubt. I mean, for I mean, listen. I, uh, I I'm from Matt Toon. Matt Toon is not necessarily known as a football powerhouse. So Kyle Hudson, I'll shout one out for Kyle Hudson uh, for his time in uh, baseball and football in Illinois. But like, they're getting, like that's that's the whole plan, right? Like the Matt Toon football coach is hearing from Bielamai. Whether he's got someone who you need that, that's currently being recruited at all, they're hearing from him. And, and listen, I, you don't need me to tell you, Lauren. Like that is an exciting thing to see happen. That is an exciting thing to see happen. There's excitement about the program. And there's also, I, we all saw Brian Hamilton, I think Brian Hamilton wrote uh, a really good piece in The Athletic about all the different people that that, that, that being put in and all like the different specialties ha- they have. You know, I think obviously every coach is always going to be a reaction to the previous coach. But the level of detail and the le- level of specificity and a level of like kind of like flood the zone with just smart people that know what they're doing and are not like stubborn and they're just trying to do things the right way and get this going the right direction. It's you can't not see it. And listen, that's exciting. Now, if they go two and nine over the next two years, I don't know if that will, uh, uh, no one will remember any of those stories, but what you're looking for is something moving in the right, right direction. And I don't think there's any question that they are moving in the correct direction. Now there's still a long way to go, but I think there's reason to be excited. And I, and I, I will say, I, I will that, that week zero game. Like obviously, it's unfortunate they weren't able to go uh, to Ireland, but like there is widespread excitement about that first game. <laughs> there, that, that's clearly going to be a big coming out part. Now, I remember 
when uh, Illinois hosted North Carolina on that on that night game. We're like, wow, this is going to be great. Here we go. And then it was over with very quickly. So we know how these things can go. But sometimes it gets a lot of excitement around the program. Hey, Will, as always, we appreciate your time. We'll let you get back on your uh, book promotional tour in New York. But thanks for taking time with us. An honor, as always, guys. Be safe. I promise to read the book. I promise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and by, by the way, I, by the way, I want to just before we go, I want to make sure I get that commemorative section of the paper about Lauren. I can't wait. I'm so excited. Save, save me. I'm not there, but please save me copies. I want every. I want to read every single word of that. Congratulations, Lauren. We'll take care of that for you. Will, thank you very much. It is 10:17. We'll talk more about that special section in the News Gazette coming up. Matt Daniels, the sports editor of the News Gazette, will join us for a few minutes after this. Stay with us on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Moving up on 1020 here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Steve Kelly, Lauren Tate. Thanks to our guests so far. Will Leach led off this uh, second hour. We're here until 11.15 today. A little overtime session for you leading up to Illinois baseball. The Illini and Michigan in a doubleheader today. Matt Daniels, the sports editor of the News Gazette, in the building working on stuff that sports editors work on (laughs) on Saturday mornings. mornings. (laughs) One of those things is the uh, upcoming special edition on our Hall of Fame cohort that was originally planned or Mm -hmm. at least thought might come out last week, but uh, it's going to be this coming week. Yeah, we uh, we had so much stuff that we decided to push it back a week, not to to rush it out there at all. And and this has been an ongoing project for essentially the month of April, kind of spearheaded by Bob Osmussen, our longtime staffer in in sports. And uh, it's part ode to, obviously, Lauren's Hall of Fame career and also kind of part look back at uh, Illinois athletics in the last 55 years since Lauren has been here on the scene. uh, So we've got a a ton of uh, well-thought-out tributes. They're nice to you, Lauren, I promise, uh, from a variety of... The the only thing that I will say is that you have done more to promote me than anybody else, well, and, and everybody true. in this department. You got so many great people here that I'm. I mean, it, you really, we really do. That's I, not I, what he I, said I, during the break. No, I know. I, I heard that. That was <laughs> off the air discussion. I, I am in awe of the work that I, Mary Schink was in here this morning. Mm-hmm. I mean, she works her tail off, and you got Die and Kasich, the old guys, and you got people like Richie and Osmus that help you and. And Colin is just a, a horse. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a great sports writer. Oh, yeah. I mean, he already is. Mm-hmm. But can you imagine what what he'll be like in another ten years? Yeah, no, exactly. Unstoppable. Yeah, no, it's uh, no. We're looking forward to to putting out the the special section. Uh, it'll come out uh, this upcoming Thursday. Uh, we've got a host of Illinois coaches from Brett Bielema, Brad Underwood to former Illini coaches like John Makovic, Lou Tepper. Uh, Mark Coombs, Lon Kruger, all weighing in on on Lauren, and also wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, we've got a lot more planned too, Lauren. So it's a 32-page special section Ooh, right you're, now. You're uh, on a need-to-know basis, and you don't need to know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, Mike Pearson too uh, contributed a huge chunk of of the work that uh, you'll see in in Thursday's section. Outside of Lauren, I think he's probably the foremost historian uh, on all things Illinois athletics. Absolutely. And, uh, he did a great job looking back at uh, some of the top moments uh, from the last 55 years each year, uh, which there are a ton. And, um, yeah, we're just excited to to produce it and uh, kind of unveil it to uh, let everyone know not only what a, 
Hall of Fame writer and person we have in Lauren, but also just kind of uh, a look back at the last 55 years of, of Illinois athletics because there's a there's a ton of information in there to cover. Coming on Thursday, so we'll, that will be with the Thursday paper. Mm-hmm. Will it also be a standalone situation that people can purchase? I would imagine so. That's kind of what we've done with our special sections mm-hmm. here. Uh, we did three special sections in sports just in March alone, uh, geared around Illinois men's basketball, one leading up to the, the Big Ten tournament, then the NCAA tournament, and then also kind of a, a look back at the season that was, and, and those are available for purchase as well, uh, just besides kind of the single copies that you get in, in, the, in your everyday paper. Have you got a word count yet <laughs> on this section? It's, it's, it's massive. Uh, Mike Pearson's uh, offering alone was about 15,000 words, and uh, I'm about – I'm through 1993, I think. I don't even know if I'm going to get to it all today. I've got a, a big appointment with my yard this <laughs> afternoon because it's in need of, of some cutting uh, and mowing and, and yard work. But, uh, yeah, it, it's uh, it's a lot. Lauren contributed a column himself as well, so you can read the, the words of that. Which Way too long. No, no, it's not at all. It, it was informative, too, because it, it what Lauren did is he kind of took the 10 newsiest items that he's covered here in his tenure. And non-games. Non-games, exactly. No games. And and it was, I mean, I can't imagine what it was like for him starting back in 1966, just getting thrown right into the middle of the slush fund scandal and, and going from there. I was in Chicago mm-hmm. in a hotel waiting for a game that night that Illinois was playing against mm-hmm. a team, one of those teams in California, I can't remember now. And uh, all of a sudden the thing broke and we're chasing over to, the, to see Harry Combs because mm-hmm. we didn't know who was going to play that night or mm-hmm. who would be band or bard or my it was a big story in chicago with so much of your that's when we lost you know we lost rich jones who was a star player we lost ron dunlap but steve spanish was a freshman then and he never never played for illinois and of Mm -hmm. course randy cruz was a freshman and he stayed and did play for illinois but they were all involved in that uh, in one way or another with the slush fund it's interesting how things evolved because much of your life is revolved around games yeah but and covering games but other stuff happens oh life man. happens surrounding that when you start adding them up over 55 years it's kind of scary yeah i, I didn't mean, even i could have gone to 12 or 13 <laughs> <laughs> pretty easy but you know the stoner uh, mm-hmm. incidents of elton and delton i love to read that one again you know it's just so crazy the guy showed up here without coats they didn't know it was cold they didn't know there was snow on the ground so they gave him <laughs> Oh, well, as you know, there's so many things that Illinois got caught off base a number of times. And then we got charged uh, in, inappropriately on, in, in the case of Jimmy Collins and, mm-hmm. and uh, Dion's, Dion Thomas. The most emotional I've ever been on the, on the radio or TV ever was when Dion spoke to us that day about what happened. Last December, yeah. Oh, man, boy, was that powerful. So De- Dion's in in the special section as well. So it's a, it's it's quite a history lesson too. It is. It's a it's a great look back at, at the last fifty five years, and and Lauren is kind of the leaving the you know the living breathing embodiment of all that that history. And and I hearken back to a time when I first started here at the News Gazette in twenty thirteen. I was covering an Illinois men's basketball game, and uh, was that. Uh, assembly hall it was it wasn't state farm center then it was assembly hall and was talking to uh, i think tim doyle was on the call for btn and eric collins was his play-by-play announcer and you know eric collins was sitting nearby and uh he overheard you know what paper i was from and he goes oh 
that that's Lauren Tate's paper. So that <laughs> kind of shows you the the credibility that you have, Lauren, uh, throughout not only here in, in Champaign-Urbana, but throughout the state and throughout the Midwest and throughout the country. So uh, hopefully, uh, you know, when Thursday's special section comes out, you can, uh, you know, take some pride in it because we definitely oh, take pride and we definitely take pride in what you do here. Did you have anybody say, you want me to say something about Lauren Tate? <laughs> I can't, my mama told me not to <laughs> say anything. <laughs> you can't, you can't say, say anything nice. good. <laughs> Don't say anything at all. Well, uh, Boy, I made some enemies. I cannot, <laughs> I, I cannot confirm nor deny that, Steve. Okay. Uh, I know we reached out to, I want to say, uh, it was Bob Osmussen, kind of, like I said, kind of spearheaded the efforts, but then Jeff D'Alessio, our editor, and, and myself as well, we reached out to, I think I want to say around 100, 125 people just to, to get their feedback, knowing we weren't going to get all 100, sure. 125, but uh, I think I just kind of put the finishing touches on it reading through it this morning i think we got about 50 55 maybe 60 people um all either former Illini coaches administrators athletes um media friends colleagues things like that well, so. you need to get some comments from ron zook to offset some of the <laughs> others <laughs> i can talk to you about that off the air Lauren. <laughs> Well, Matt, keep up the good work. I'm, I can tell already this is another award winner coming Thanks, your Steve. way. Thanks, Steve. I appreciate it. Thank you, Lauren. By the way, this is a, this is a week for uh, I, I, uh, a lot of uh, honors are going to be coming out for the newspaper this week, right? Editor and Pup? Yeah, I, I know they got that. And the, the Illinois Press Association uh, is announcing some of its awards. And I know on the sports front, the Associated Press Sports Editors, uh, they, they were wrapping up their section judging remotely. They were supposed to do that last week. And we won some uh, awards already for writing and uh, other multimedia work. So eager to see what, what comes out of that. But uh, just keep on going about our business every day, trying to put out a, a top quality sports section that you kind of helped cultivate and set the standard for, Lauren. For people that don't live here, mm-hmm. could they get a hard copy of it? And they could. Can they read it on the... Internet. I, we will. We're going to publish all of the all of the content at alignhq.com. I'm not sure yet exactly what the rollout plan may be. Okay. Just because, like I said, we have so much of it, we may kind of stretch it out, kind of through the month of May, kind of a look back at sure. the historical aspects of it. But you can always call here at the office. Uh, Bob Sacconi is our circulation director. He's kind of in charge of handling all you know, single copy issues, things like that. But feel free to call here at the, the office and we'll get you connected any way we can. You can let me know and I'll let the people yes, know. Yes, sounds good, Steve. Lauren won't because he didn't like yeah, to talk about no, it. No, I know. <laughs> we'll, we'll make him talk about it. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Steve. We'll talk to you Monday night. I will be here. On Monday Night Sports Talk here on DWS. We'll take a break here at 1030 and be back with more. We'll talk with Brad Sturdy coming up next on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. It is 10.33, and this is Limey Fellas Saturday Sports Talk here on Newstalk 1400, WDWS. And if you've been thinking about the windows and doors, I suggest a trip to see Mike Mary and his staff at the Pella Window Store at 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. That's the best way to check out their products. You can do it online, too, but to see them in person really helps. You'll discover the beauty of wood windows the ease of the between-the-glass blinds and the durability of fiberglass entry doors. Whether it's windows or doors you're looking for, they've got plenty. And the experts there know all about what type of window and door might work best for your unique situation in your home. Working with them is an easy process. They'll be there to help you along the way from the shopping piece to the installation. 
Also, they can help you with financing, too, if you need that. Again, their local showroom is at 1001 North Country Fair Drive. They've also got some other locations around Illinois and Indiana as well. Learn more about the styles, materials, and options available to you. The Pella Window Team has the knowledge and experience to help you find the perfect Pella project for perfect Pella product for your project. Thank you. 356-6474 is the number. PellaofChampagne.com is the phone number. They're open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, Saturday by appointment. And we're happy to welcome to the program our friend Brad Sturdy from IlliniGuys.com. He, like the rest of us in uh, the media, extra busy, uh, it seems, uh, this week with the Illinois basketball assistant coaching situation. Bradley, how are you doing this morning? Good. How are you? Good. You're on top of things. Give us the latest. Is there a latest? <laughs> I don't know. It seems to change like all the time. It does. So it's hard to tell. Um, you know, it sounds to me like, uh, you know, it, it seems pretty pretty unlikely that Orlando and Tico is going to end up at Kentucky. And um, I think, you know, everything else is still up in the air. It wouldn't shock me to see Chin Coleman also end up at Kentucky. So, um, you know, then there was rumor last night that Gonzaga wants uh, Stephen Gentry um, to have filled their opening. So, there's a lot of you know fluid parts. I think the only thing we know is probably it's most likely that probably Antique was going to end up in Kentucky, which you know with his background there and with his relationship with Cal and you know it sounds like they made a you know just crazy offer and um, you know th- those are things that you you know just happen and that's good to have your guys wanted I guess so uh, you know the big thing for Illinois is just making sure they keep their current roster and keep their recruits and commitments and so forth and, and I think they'll be fine. Well, that Kentucky job doesn't close officially until Monday, so. Uh, I guess it's up to Kentucky to to make that announcement uh, at whatever time they want, yeah. but I, I would expect it early next week, right? Yeah, that, it sounds like that'll be the case. And keeping the roster intact, you mentioned that, and uh, that's very important. And uh, you know, and I'm guessing what people say today on how they're feeling may not necessarily be what they say next week. But how do you feel about keeping that roster together? Uh, not only the guys that have signed, but a couple of uh, verbal commitments as well. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I've actually talked to them a little bit. I've talked to, uh, you know, the, the, the verbal commitments, you know, uh, A.J. Storr, Reggie Bass, and those guys seem uh, – and they're, I talked to – actually talked to AJ mom, A.J.'s mom about it. She wants him at Illinois and just wants to now, you know, maybe if, if you know, if it happens where Chin leaves. And Chin was their main recruiter for A.J. and uh, so in Orlando for, for Reggie. So if those guys – you know, they just want to make sure that, you know, Coach Underwood still wants them, that they're still – they love Illinois, both of them. And um, Coach Underwood, I know, has talked to both of them in the last couple of days had a really good conversation about 30 minutes there and I so this is this is the thing you want to see you know that, that he's really you know kind of he's stepped up I think coach Gentry's also kind of stepped up right now um, as some things are in limbo and tried to do some more so you know it's good uh, maybe because you know assistants have their certain guy and the whole staff recruits him but a lot of times the assistant will have a guy that he's more connected with or more familiar with so and that's what's happened here um as far as the current roster you know i I think the big the big story is going to be what happens with um you know kofi you know does kofi return i think they've they've got a solid roster without him um being an nc they'll be an ncaa tournament type team you know with a great point guard and things and then if he returns you suddenly become a top 10 team you know i mean because he's that much of a difference maker so i think that's where they're they're kind of waiting to see what happens with him and uh you know that'll be the thing we won't know until after all the pre-draft stuff at the end of june and then early july well you know steve and i have followed the the mock drafts for months 
And we've never seen Kofi Coburn's name among the top 60 until this last week uh, when we pick up uh, Draft Room, and, and, and they're the latest, most, I think, probably as, as solid as any. And they've got him at number 30, which is the last position in the first round. What, if, what might have, do you see anything that changed that? Uh, it, was it just reconsideration after the tournament's over? No, usually what those are, they, they haven't had the workouts or anything, so they haven't really had any of that. So a lot of those guys just, that probably means that some scout or GM um, was interested and asked questions about him. And so that's where those guys get their information. Yeah. And so they kind of, once you get past that top 15 or so, it, it's, it's such a crapshoot and it's going to depend on need, fit, you know, and so much. So Kofi's an interesting guy because he's different than virtually everybody else. I mean, there, you don't teach, you can't teach, you know, seven foot, 285 pounds and, and great mobility. So um, that's one of the things that happens um, with him. You know, he, he just, he's different than everybody else. So I think that's a situation where if he finds the right fit, maybe he can do it. But I think that he's going to find that he, if he needs to work on some things and prove some things, he could, you know, come back to college, work on those for a year, and maybe showcase a little bit more. Um, you know, a lot of the team, although he was, I, I still think, you know, Iowa was maybe the best player on the team. Kofi may have been the most valuable player on the team last year because of, you know, the difference when he was on the floor versus off the floor. So if he does come back, it's going to be about him. He'll get the treatment of a Luca Garza all year where people are just hyping him every game. You know, he and I, Luca and Iowa all year were getting that hype it'll be Kofi next year. And so he could be like the, you know, one of the top guys in college basketball. And I, I think that does play a role in where you start, you know, being seen um, on, as, on a national level. You, uh, you followed uh, recruiting really close in recent years. Of, and I wonder now how, how are you transitioning over toward the, the portal more and, and trying to pay attention more there than, than <laughs> ever before? Because it just looks to me like yeah. the portal is where the players are. Oh, there's no question. You know, I talked to Brad, Brad Underwood on my um, you know podcast, you know, 30 for 30. And we talked about that a little bit and it was a situation where we said, you know, what was the, uh, what was the situation with, you know, with the portal and versus recruiting, how do you differentiate? And he said, hey, he's talking like, you know, the portal almost, it almost makes you change the way you recruit in high school because you, you don't really want to take a, a project because if you take a project, you don't know if he's ever going to play for you because he might transfer by his third year. And now with this one-time transfer, it really changes that. So what he's thinking is maybe, you know, you, you take the guys you think can come in and contribute and then you see who's around. And then every spring you're going to go through the portal and find, you know, you need a point guard. Well, we'll just take a junior, you know? And so it kind of goes with the mantra, you know, getting old and staying old. Sometimes you can get old through the portal too and uh, find, you know, some veteran experience in those those spots talking it, basketball it's definitely with, changed talking basketball with brad sturdy and i know you know that fan bases tend to overreact and uh, the illini fan base <laughs> is uh, no uh, no stranger to that uh, thinking that there's always something out to get them but uh in the in the matter of assistant coaches coming and going that's what assistant coaches do it's, this isn't the first time yeah. it's ever happened and there's a lot of quality candidates out there if th- this does happen yeah, exactly. The one thing I would say is that, you you, you know, you've got a group of assistant coaches that seem to be pretty coveted 
the Brad Underwood hired those guys. Right. So he hired some pretty good guys. So that tells you that he can probably find some good assistant coaches. Um, even and one of the guys who was supposed to come with him actually became, you know, Mike Boynton became the head coach at you know Oklahoma State, right? So, you know, you, you've got a pretty good group of guys that he's been associated with. So, I, I'm not, I'm not. I mean, obviously, I, I, I really like, you know, Orlando Antigua and Chin Coleman. I really like those guys. I think they're awesome. You know, working with them has been great. Um, but at the same time, they are. You know, it's one of those things where you you got to go out and find new guys, and that's the nature of college coaching. Whether they go to become an assistant somewhere or a head coach somewhere, that's that's the way it is. These guys all have you know want to want to have that upward mobility and and move up, and um, you know that that's just the way it is. And and I think the thing is, the good thing for Illinois is that there's no spring evaluation period like a normal year. So what you have is there's no campus visits, no evaluations in person until June and July. So you have time to fill your role. And what people forget is all these other assistant coaches have 2022 guys that they've been recruiting. So as long as you keep your current roster intact, maybe add a guy through the transfer portal that you may need to fill. Then you have these 2022. They're going to have their connections too. So they're going to bring those with them, and it may help you land some 2022 kids You know, after the June visits and July period. And and for 2023, we're so far in the future, you got a lot of time to, to, to do that. So it's not the end of the world as long as you know the biggest thing is keeping this roster intact because this is a team that has a chance to be pretty good next year, um, especially if Kofi returns or if they add an impact, another impact big man, you know, let's say a Trey Mitchell from UMass, somebody like that who can really come in and you know be a 4-5 and uh, really uh, impact the game. What do you hear on Mitchell, by the way? <laughs> well, not a lot. He's kept it very quiet. I know Illinois is is very very deep with him. Um, they've they've got a great relationship. Um, it, it was through Antigua, but I know that you know also um, Underwood's got involved, and so I, I think there's a good connection there. He sees the opportunity um, at Illinois um, to come in, you know, and, and obviously whether it's playing next to Kofi or Omar Payne or whoever it is, there's some there's a you know he's gonna have a talented five man to play with and he really wants to expand his game to be more of four and he shoots the ball well from three so he definitely sees the fit here at Illinois and um, so that's definitely a, a possibility. Well, I think a lot of people uh, like him are probably waiting to see what Kofi's going to do and I I just wonder do you think that Antigua's departure would affect the decision by Kofi in any way? Um, I would have said a few weeks ago, I would have said yes, but after seeing his interactions with players and seeing some things that, um, you know, just some back channel things that I've heard is like, I, I think, I don't think it will have as much an impact. I, I think that, you know, one thing that I, I don't think Orlando's going out the door trying to leave scorched earth at Illinois. I mean, he wants to leave a good relationship behind and, you know, he, he wants Kofi to do what's best for him. And if that's, you know, go pro, then, you know, if you're going to be in first round, if Kofi's going to get drafted in the first round, I'm, I'm all for him taking that. But if he's going to be a, um, you know, if he's not, then I think he should probably come back. And I think that's where they're just giving him that extra information there. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, just so he make make a make a positive decision, make a good decision for himself. So it comes down to probably July, don't you think, before we'll know? Yeah, I think so. Uh, it, it, you know, first you know, that first week in July, after those June camps, and we start seeing those mock drafts that first week of July, and we'll know. And then I think July 9th, I think, is the date when they uh, would uh, have to, you know, declare one way or the other. Ohio State's EJ Liddell is not at this moment in the transfer portal, but there's been some some back channel talking about uh, him. What do you hear about him? Yeah, I mean he's 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 all in on going to the draft for now um, to see what he can do. I think what he's been told early on is that he needs to show the ability to play more on the perimeter, play play three four, 
Um, and at his size, you know, that makes sense. Six seven, you know, he's probably more of a, you know, he could play some four in the NBA, um, you know, eventually. But, you know, a three four like a Draymond Green type, he needs to show that. Well, he played mostly five for Ohio State last year. So I don't think he, you know, he, he doesn't want to do that anymore. And I certainly don't blame him. He wants to kind of be able to, you know, expand his game and do more. So we'll have to see. You know, I think that could depend on what Ohio State adds through the transfer portal. Uh, what, you know, what ha- what he hears from NBA scouts, what he can show in those, you know, camps. He's a kid, though, you know, if he does shoot it really well and show some expanded game in, in uh, those pre-draft camps, you never know. He might be able to, you know, vault up a draft board. You know, so um, he's a great kid. So um, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. I think that the the hard part for people, everyone wants to know, like, you know, I want an answer now. Well, it, it, we're not going to know till July, really, what this roster, maybe even mid-July, before the, what this roster finally looks like for the fall. So just have to be patient. Uh, I know it's not fun, but uh, maybe maybe that's just kind of the you have to let the process play out. Is the Indiana transfer Brunt good enough to play center for Ohio State? And would that be an attraction for him to return to Ohio State? I don't. I mean, yeah, I think he can play some um, center, but I don't think that's going to be a, the kind of difference maker that he's looking to play next to. You know, you know, uh, he's he's not Kofi Coburn. He's not even Omar Payne. He's not, you know, he's not one of those guys. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't see that being a difference making decision. You know, assuming that Brunk's also healthy enough because he's missed a lot of time with injuries too. Brad, what are you watching this uh, weekend? Is there some high school action that is going to catch your eye? Yeah, I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be watching some uh, uh, high school hoops in uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana. I'm going to watch some. Uh, it's really exciting. You know, Reggie Bass is there. Um, you know, so the 2022 commitment for Team Teague. You got Mean Streets. You got the Mac Urban Fire. Illinois Wolves with Jaden Shoot. Um, really great, great event. You've got some. A bunch of guys, you know, the only is recruiting in 2022 and 2023. Um, so it, it's a really nice event. A um, bunch of games over the next two days. Started last night, actually. Uh, Team T got a win last night. You know, Bass had a really nice game. I think he had 15 points and seven assists, you know, kind of ran the points. So really nice, uh, really nice event over in Fort Wayne, Indiana. They always uh, put on a good event there with the speech running slam. Before we let you go, let's go back to the assistant coaching situation. If there is one, two, or three job openings are there some guys out there that uh, that you kind of like that you would uh, care to mention yeah i mean obviously uh you know the biggest name i think out there obviously for illinois fans you'd look at guys you know roger powell uh chester frazier people like that who've high major assistants who've kind of come up the ladder and built those are guys that i think would be would be intriguing depending on what what openings you have and then um i think you know mike menenga um, at uh, Oregon, you know, Rantoul native would be fantastic, you know, a uh, big time uh, guy to bring in who knows the spread system, knows a lot of what um, they try and do under what's, what he tries to do offensively and defensively. Um, he would be great. Um, there's, uh, you know, th- there are other guys too. I mean, it's just kind of, so, I, you know, there are a lot of names out there. I, I think I, you know, I kind of went through a list of maybe 20 guys that would have connections and also be, you know, interesting fits. And, you know, those are probably the biggest names that people would know. There are some other guys you, you know, I could list names. And that's the funny thing about assistant coaches. Um, we, we, you knew who Orlando Antigua was. Most guys probably when Illinois hired Ron Coleman, uh, Ron Coleman right. or Stephen Gentry, they had no idea who they were. You know, so, and now they're, you know, now we're panicking that we, they might leave. Well, nobody knew who they were when they arrived four years ago or three or two years ago, wherever it was. So, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, you, you just got to trust the process and trust that uh, Brad Underwood's the, the, the CEO and doing a good job with the program. 
Hey, Brad, appreciate your time, as always, and uh, invite the folks to check out IlliniGuys.com. How's that going for you? New new venture. Yeah, it's been great. I mean, the, the response has been fantastic over the past, you know, three months. We're three months into our existence, and, and uh, we've, we've uh, shattered our, our yearly goals already, and, uh, you know, for subscriptions and things. So it, it's been – we've really got a great community of people over there, and, um, you know, so great guys that I'm working with uh, really enjoy it. And, and it, it's been a lot of fun, and uh, really it just a, a great team effort, and uh, these, it's, it's exciting, you know, to see something new like that kind of spring up and, and do that well. Appreciate your time, Bradley. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. You bet. Brad Sturdy with us from IlliniGuys.com. That's twice you've brought up Fort Wayne to me, and I wish you'd quit doing that. Why is that? Because I pitched a game in Fort Wayne once once upon a time, a National Baseball Congress tournament game, and the leadoff hitter went five for five. <laughs> Don't ask me who won the game. I didn't say anything about you <laughs> pitching there. I just mentioned the town. Well, I, what you do? I lasted long enough for him to go five for five. Where your memory goes is not. You well, can't you blame forget, me for that. Hey, you don't forget when a guy goes five for five. Well, I bet he wasn't the only guy, was he? Well, I got most of the other guys out, but I couldn't get him out. You know, and we lost the game. Ten fifty is the time. We're back. We got an open line now going for about uh, twenty five minutes. If you want to jump in, two one seven three five six nine three nine seven. We're going to eleven fifteen. Today, ahead of Illinois baseball, and we're back with more after this. Ten fifty-two. Welcome back to the program. Open line two one seven three five six nine three nine seven. We're up to sixty degrees and still breezy here in uh, Central Illinois. That guy that went five for five <laughs> off of you in Fort Wayne. I think it was Lou Brock. <laughs> He went two for three. Did you? You did pitch against him, didn't you? Yeah, he, yeah. I, I found the box score the other before day. he was Lou Brock, right? Well, before, <laughs> before he was, he was Lou a Hall Brock, of Famer. You know, Ty Klein was on that lineup, and and uh, the, the, actually the goaltender for the U.S. hockey team was also a catcher on that team. <laughs> I don't. That's just. Where uh, was that? Great Lakes. What is that? Where you pitched to him? No, it was in uh, Hammond, Indiana. Oh, was it? They, they came over. They were preparing to go to the. Uh, I forget where they were headed. They, it was um, Pan Am team, and they, and they were getting ready for the Pan Am tournament. And Lou Brock was uh, on the team, and he stole no bases. He had two doubles. You <laughs> 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 didn't need to steal. That, that's that's something to be. Yeah, kind of cool I, thing. Yeah, you know who the pitcher for the Pan Am team was? Terry Gellinger from Illinois. Really? Yeah, he was a. And uh, I have the only thing I did that I can remember. One of the things I can remember, I can remember when the Ty Klein hit a home run. But I also remember that I broke up the no hitter. Uh, you know, fifth or sixth inning. I don't remember what it was. We only got two hits off Gellinger. And you got one of them. You got the first one. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> so it's funny the things you remember, but you know what? At my age, you remember things that you've always remembered. There are a whole lot of things that happened in that game I cannot remember at all. And but I can remember two. If you're things. like me, there's a whole lot of things that happened yesterday that you can't remember <laughs> too, <laughs> like what you had for lunch. Or we were pay, we were playing in an open field, and um, I got the first two outs, and the third batter was Ty Klein. Who later played? Didn't he play for the Braves? Or I, I, yeah, I, I think so. I think so. Anyway, he was a he was a good player, and we had a we had a first baseman right. We were an all star team. We had a first baseman in right field, and his name was Chick. And and uh, 
Ty Klein, hit a, hit, I had two strikes on him, and he hit a single between first and second, and the ball was rolling, and a right fielder came in, and the ball went right past him, right through his legs, and there was no, no fence. And the ball rolled and rolled and rolled, and that was a home run. We do have the phone lines open. Let's go to the lines. And Marty in Pinehurst is with us. Hey, Marty. Morning, Steve. Morning, Lauren. Morning. I must confess, I, I had to run errands this morning, and I missed the first hour and a half, so I apologize. Oh, boy. I don't like to do that. Yeah, that's uh, – and I missed Will Leach, I heard. Uh I'm afraid now that we're going to have to keep Carpenter after hitting two, three-run homers. What did what do have to say about the Cardinals? Let's do that again. Well, maybe they found a spot for him <laughs> on the bench. Well, if, yeah, if he'd do that every time, I'd be for it too. Um, I was interested in what Brad had to say. Uh, Roger Powell would make great sense, although Roger's going to be a head coach before too much longer, I would think. Um what about – I didn't hear him mention D. Brown. And D's with UI Chicago, isn't he? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yep. And I can't believe there would be a much better ambassador uh, in the Chicago area for Illinois than D would be. So I'd be interested, do you think he would have an opportunity if both those jobs open up? I don't know that if you're looking for an ambassador, you're looking for somebody that can – that can recruit. I'm, I'm also talking about a recruiter. I'm, I'm not just talking about ambassador. I, I mean, D. I would think would be great in front of people. I think he would be. I, I don't. I don't think D's got the chops quite yet. My, myself, I, I think he is probably headed in that direction. But I don't think he's been in the business long enough to uh, for a job like this. Now, that, you know, that's just my opinion. I'm not hiring him, or not hiring him. So you can have your own opinion. But as far as a guy that loves the University of Illinois, yeah, sure. I'm so far removed. I don't know who's the right guy. To, I, I, it, it, I, I didn't know Coleman. I didn't know Antigua before they got here. I, we right. need somebody like Antigua that can recruit uh, beyond the, you know, beyond the country, beyond the the states. And when Brad hired those guys, you know, we didn't know who they were. Yeah. Exactly, and I, I Calipari hope. didn't hire him back then. It was, it was Did Brad. Someone speak it, a little Spanish on the staff. I would think it would help with some of these kids from Latin America. That wouldn't hurt. To bilingual. Yeah, I, I'm just wondering. I mean, it's uh, amazing to me that DeMonte Williams announced he's coming back. He'll be the only player from the state of Illinois on the team next year among the top 10 players. Among the, there are a couple yeah. other Illinoisans that are down the line, but I'm talking about the guys that will play. And of the top 10, not, he's the only one. Well, Lauren, isn't that the way it's been going the last 10, 15 years? Well, not here more necessarily. More I mean, yeah, I, I guess no. since I don't – I think – But, but yeah. hasn't it been that way with most of the teams that are good in the country? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think you have to do that to be able to find – I mean, there, there's so – look at the NBA draft, how many people are coming from all over the world. I mean, I, I trust that Brad Underwood is going to get good people. You know, I just do. I didn't know who Antigua was for the most part. I I knew he'd been in some trouble at South Florida. His brother mainly caused the problem. Yeah. But uh, I had no idea who Ron Coleman was. Okay. So he'll find good people. But We agree on that, I think. The Cardinals, will the Cardinals get enough offense to be in the race all year long? Probably not. <laughs> 
I don't know. I, I, I think Goldsmith's fishing for the ball right now. I don't see him hitting with the power that I thought. He's hit a couple hard balls to right field, yeah. but he's not pulling the ball the way that, it, that he used to. And I, he's struggling. And I, I don't know. I, I just don't uh, – I don't I, – we see spurts out of O'Neill every now and then where he has such power and has speed, and he's got all, all good reasons to have him in the lineup. But uh, I don't know. But will he consistently hit good sliders? Not bad ones. Oh no, he won't. Yeah, and we'll bait her. You know they they took. You know yesterday's game. Brad Thompson's like, well, that's a great. He got a single left field off a, a good slider down away. I'm like, if it's a good slider down away, you shouldn't be hitting it to left field. So that's that's another issue I've got with him. But he's a great outfielder, but he doesn't use his speed offensively, which is a tragedy. Which means just put the ball in play. But and I'm a little worried about him, but I. Can't figure the division out either. There you go. They'll, because of that, I think they will be in the race. Whatever the race is, they'll be they'll be in the first part of the race. Deal of mediocrity in the central, I think. That may be right, but uh, all you got to do is get in, and then you'll find out how That's good you you are or you're not. Hey, Marty, yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good one, guys. You too. We go from uh, Pinehurst to New York City, and Jeff. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, guys. Um, I've got to kind of uh, strike, I I hate to say this realistic kind of note on this, but candidly, I don't see any uh, positives in losing both uh, uh, the assistants if, in fact, we do lose both of them. Um, Simply put, it's been said over time that uh, we got IO uh, because of Jim Coleman, and we got uh, Covey because of uh, Orlando. And without those two assistants, we had, we, it seems to me that we would have ended up with Mark Smith and Jeremiah Tillman, and we know where Missouri went with those guys. Um, I think that not only losing players, uh, coaches of, those, of that caliber is, a, is bad for Illinois, but it's a lateral move for these guys. No, it's it isn't. Not, it's uh, not lateral when you're going to Kentucky. They're going to the number one basketball program, amateur basketball program in the world. Kentucky is number do one. Do you really think that's still true? Absolutely. Do you really think that's still true, Lord? Absolutely it's true. Af- well, it's – I'm what's, – what, where, 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 What's the stronger program than Kentucky? Look what they do when they when they have a little trouble. They they're spending a million dollars and seven hundred thousand dollars for two coaches. I mean, who else can do would do that? I thought Josh said he was willing to. He is. Make, uh, he is, but this, but this is so the this, highest paid. Yes, that's right. Assistant. So if it's he, it, so we countered. No question, we countered, but we can't match the prestige of Kentucky. There's no way. I mean, but just think of history. Tarnished recently. Uh, well, I'm, how were they I'm, tarnished? You mean losing games? Painfully losing games. They and, were ranked uh, number eight last year. Uh, One year ago, they were ranked number eight in the country when the season ended. That's as low. I mean, they. Do you know how? What, what they had? Steve is it seventeen Final Fours and eight national championships. Eight. Yeah. Illinois had none. I, Illinois had two Final Fours. They've had 17. I mean, let's not compare those. as They're not comparable. I'm painfully aware of uh, 
how well Kentucky's done over the years, and some of it's been at our expense. Mm-hmm. You know, you're right. as familiar as I am with uh, some of these things. Um, it's just, it just seems like every time Kentucky and us want some of the same, either a, a recruit or now one, possibly two assistant coaches, we lose out to them. Well, absolutely. And, I mean, you, know, you go back to Issel or you go back to Parker, some of the great players out of this state, they wind exactly. up Verderber, they wind up at Kentucky. Yeah. You can't yeah. compete with It's That's like right. trying to compete with Ohio State in football. If a player comes down to a decision between Illinois and Ohio State and he's a great player, where's he going to go? Every well, time. Let me ask you this. Let me let me ask you this. What about this uh, high school recruit? I can't pronounce his name. The kid from Wisconsin wasn't mm-hmm. Kentucky recruiting him, and he came to Illinois. Do you see him? Uh, when you say the recruiting, we are recruiting. We have made offers to forty-five players. We got like three positions open, and we've made offers to forty-five players. Now, if you're going to talk about did it, did Kentucky offer? They may have made. Uh, they may have 40, 30 or 40 offers out. That doesn't mean anything. doesn't mean anything. And when you have 45, well, right? I mean, how, how, how do you decide when, what, what's serious? I counted right. them this week. We, ha- we have 45 offers out in basketball. Okay. Well, I don't know. I, just, I, I hope these guys can be replaced. But it seems like if there were irreplaceable assistants, these were probably it. And I'm not the only one who has said that. There are, I've read a number of articles. I can't quote who wrote them uh, off the top of my head at the moment. But I think it's a, I don't care how we slice it. It's a, it's a hit that we would take. If yeah, we Antigua was one of a kind. He just Agreed. is. He just is. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know. You know, you said uh, a couple of weeks ago that you didn't see him leaving for anything but a head job. That's and right. But $100 million is a head job. A million. One million. One million dollars is, is, a, is comparable to a head job. No, I didn't or, expect him to leave. Or, but, I mean, I, I, you know, when, you, when I say something like that, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't have any idea. I didn't have any idea. Well, you're, that, usually, <laughs> you're usually right far more than, than well, anybody I mean, else. <laughs> as far as knowing what guy, a guy's going to do, I, that there's a whole lot that goes into that that I have no idea. I mean, his wife goes into it. His daughter goes into it. His association with Cal goes into it. When he, he was with Cal at Memphis, he went from Memphis to Kentucky with Cal. He was, he's been with Cal for years. I, That's a close friend. I'm aware of that. Well, that's a big deal. I'm aware of that. But, you know, isn't uh, being offered to be made the highest paid assistant in the country somewhat comparable? Or doesn't it, you know, doesn't uh, that cause him to say, hey, look, yeah. old friend, yeah, that's in the past. I'm established here now. I've got a, a good gig. Um, I'm not upending this. I, I mean, that's. That's the other side of it, as, as I see it, and it just seems like we're coming up on the short end again. I don't want to, I don't want to monopolize you guys right now, but well, it's that's a, what it's, I'm a, it's the issue that everybody's talking advice. about. There's no question. 
Jeff, we appreciate you taking yeah. time to call. Yeah. Thank you very much. 1106 WDWS Champaign-Urbana. We need to take a break. We'll be back for a few more minutes on Illini Pillow Saturday Sports Talk. Stay with us. We're into overtime here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, taking you up to Scott Beatty and Illinois baseball action, the Illini and Michigan, scheduled for a doubleheader beginning at 11.30, the pregame show at 11.15, these games being played in Evanston. I don't know if exactly whether it was the last game we played in Michigan, may not have been, but I never forget we had two out in the ninth. Do you remember this, Steve? If we if Illinois beats Michigan, they are eliminated. They are not going to go to the postseason, and they they rallied. I had two. I think our pitcher had two strikes on the on the batter, and he hits the ball off the left center field wall, and they win the game, Michigan, and they keep going. They get they get in the elite eight. That's amazing. I do remember that. We're one we're one strike away from. I think we're one strike away from eliminating them. So that is coming up here uh, shortly. Not a bad week for Brett Bielma and football recruiting. And a lot of players, isn't he? He's got uh, eight now in the uh, 2022 class. Boy, and he got what? a Rutgers uh, experienced quarterback, Art Sikowski. What What's your take on that? Saw him play in person. He started in a game against Illinois back in the, the year that Rutgers went 1-11. and I think he was the starter. Um, he reminds me a lot. In, uh, of Peters? Yes. Uh-huh. Because I don't know if this is good news or bad news, but it's just well, he's a fact. that type. He's, he's that type. He's that size. Mm-hmm. He's got some experience, and I believe he has three years of eligibility left. I, I mm-hmm. don't think they brought him in necessarily to be the starter this year, but they're looking down the road a little bit. And of course, if he to in order to play three years, he'd have to play as a postgraduate. Obviously, right. he'd be if he follows a he'd be thirty progress years old. To, yeah, progress toward graduation. <laughs> he'd be older and just settles. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Jeff Settles is getting some company now. Oh, the, yeah, he really is. Jordan Bohannon. Davison is coming back, and Bohannon's coming back. I think uh, it is six years for Bohannon. I think it's only five for Davidson. Yeah, but, right. Uh, same yeah. as uh, Trent Frazier. But, uh, yeah, Bohannon stayed out a year just to play yeah. the next year, and now he's going to play another year. Well, opposing uh, fans of Illinois basketball are going to be saying that about them. Hadn't Frazier and DeMonte Williams been there forever? Well, they'll be the fifth year. Yep. So a lot to... Uh, a lot going on uh, with with the basketball talk, and you can you can glass half full or half empty, however you want to rationalize this coaching situation. But these things happen. Yeah, I, I, as I just mentioned, Ed Bond. I mean, this is not a positive. It's certainly not a good thing. It's something they can recover from, but it's not good to lose your to lose your assistant coaches. It's but just, it's not it, a catastrophe. That's no, no. some of the fans of no, seven. but. The thing that bothers me is the fact I know that he's got some offers out to guys that he, I think for Illinois that he expected to be able to pick up in in the next couple of years. He's working ahead of time, as they all do. And now whether the Illinois can follow through on that, I don't know. Without him, uh, I, are there any players that he's recruiting for Illinois that he would then turn his attention to in in behalf of Kentucky? I don't know. Kentucky does recruit. Generally speaking, five-star players, and Illinois does not get five-star players right. very often. And Kentucky recruits almost exclusively five-star players. Right, right. There's a lot of other and players it's a one and done. It's a one-and-done right. school, and they have to do it every year. I think one of the things that is attractive for Kentucky in bringing him back, 
is the fact that they were so successful when he was there before, and right. they haven't been as successful, certainly not last year, although the year before, as I mentioned, they were uh, number eight in the, in, uh, in the country at the end of the season, which was not finished. The season wasn't played. I mean, the tournament wasn't played. All right, Mr. Tate, we're going to wrap things up. Stay tuned. We'll, um, we'll tell you where to turn in your overtime <laughs> pay request. All righty. Somewhere down the way. We'll get back to you on that. How's that? Okay. <laughs> Appreciate you listening. Illinois baseball is coming up next. Thanks to uh, Dave Leak for helping us out uh, the last couple of hours and uh, to all of our guests as well. If you missed any part of the show, the podcast will be up shortly at WDWS.com. For Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly on WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Have a good weekend.